0: Well, welcome to the Empowered Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and ultimately empowers you to influence people and transform cities. Enjoy the message. So good. Well, good morning, church. Um, It is such an honor to be bringing uh, us around the Word of God this morning. Uh, God's been preparing something on my heart for all of us here today and all those watching online as well. Uh, Our amazing senior pastors, As uh, Harrison has said earlier, Pastor Paul and Kate are currently away. And from what I know, uh, they're watching online right now. So, hey, guys. Uh, But also, uh, so I just got to make sure I don't stuff anything up. Uh, Firstly, that's definitely it. But uh, also, Pastor Kate actually officiated her first wedding. So can we, they are probably watching right now. Well done, Pastor Kate. That is so cool for a family member. So, um, but because they're away, consequently, it uh, means that you have to put put up with me for the next 25 minutes, um, which is great. So if you can do that, just bear with me. Please don't walk out. Um, that will just not do well for my confidence. Um, but uh, we've been in a series called Come and See. We're actually finishing it uh, today, and we're kind of coming to the end point of it. And uh, this series uh, is actually in reference to Jesus. Funnily enough, we're a church that believes in Jesus. Um, and uh, the words are come and see, and it's been about evangelism and really where it's birthed is from a moment uh, between uh, this guy called Philip in the Bible and Nathaniel, And basically, Philip and Nathaniel are friends, uh, disciples, um, or at least, you know, followers, you know, wanting to believe in God in that time. And anyway, Philip says to his friend, hey, Nathaniel, there's this amazing thing that's come out of Nazareth. We believe he may even be the Messiah, all these kind of things. And then, uh, to the detriment of this conversation, uh, Nathaniel responds with, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, you know, like he's pretty much digging on Philip, kind of like, can anything good come out of Nambour? No, just kidding. Uh, And something can come good out of Nambour because I believe my wife was born there. uh, So great things come out of Nambour. Um, So there we go. For any people born in Nambour or anything like that. um, Anyway, it is a pretty much a dig. And then Philip's response to Nathaniel is, come and see." If you don't believe me what I'm saying about this Messiah, why don't you actually come and see because something great has come out of Nazareth? And like we've been saying, we're talking about reaching people with the gospel. And one thing we need to know is that throughout generations and generations, the one thing that has been preserved through our persecution, throughout plagues, throughout world wars, throughout different flus and influenzas is actually the gospel. And the gospel message, it has been something that has stood the test of time, even throughout the greatest evils in our world. This gospel message that we are preaching even this morning. And why has it been preserved? What is it about Jesus' message and the message of the Bible that brings hope? It's because the fact that God's Word has not changed, but it is the only thing that can truly change someone's life. God's Word has never changed. It stays where it is, but it has the ability and the power, and I know even in my own life, to change us for the better of humanity. And I wanna ponder with this reflective question this morning, and a few of them, is uh, church, if you had a trillion dollars or a lot of money, let's just say, and you knew someone in your family that was, you know, dealing financially, you know, they were in poverty or they were struggling, would it not be the just thing to do or the common sense thing to do would to lend some money to help them out for that? If someone uh, that you knew uh, was dying of an incurable disease, but funnily enough, you somehow actually did have the cure, everyone had said that there was no cure, but you had the cure, would not the just thing to, to be done or the right thing to be done was to extend that cure to someone who is dying of an incurable disease. And I use this analogy or this way to frame it because you best believe the message that we have is actually the hope to the world. That in the exact same sense, not like it, like, oh, well, that's a different circumstance. You better believe the gospel message is the only eternal answer to a world dying from sin. Because guess what, sin is still the issue, and guess what, Jesus is still the answer. The gospel message is the only thing. So you and I have been called by God to not let the cure stay with us, but we've gotta get the cure out there to our dying and broken broken world. But I noticed this, and uh, you might know this lately as well, is that we have the hope of the message of the gospel that can save someone from an eternity. Save someone from uh, all their shame, guilt, past, all the things that we go through in life. But what I've noticed is that in our secular culture over here, it almost seems like our secular culture doesn't even want Jesus. They don't even want the answer. We could invite to church and they're like, oh, I'd rather go to the beach actually. I would actually rather get brunch with my friends than do that. So what I've noticed in our culture is that we have the absolute hope of the world over here. Jesus, He can save you from eternity separated from God. But then we've got a culture over here that it almost seems like they don't even want the cure that we're actually offering. And there's a gap in between. And I wanna let you know this morning, church, this gap that I know you probably struggle with potentially with your co-workers, your friends, your family, the solution is evangelism. The solution is reaching these people. But I wanna talk about today, how can we bridge the gap in this day and age to see people come to know Jesus? Because it almost feels like the gap is so big and we don't know how to actively act as a church to reach people with the great message of God that we have. There's a reason why we're in this current building and not in a stadium, because everyone is coming to church. There's a reason and we need to be the people that are equipped to go into the world to reach it. So how can we not have a evangelistic events, but how can we be an evangelistic church? And I wanna talk about the gap in between. So as we talk about that, I pray that it would help you and equip you for the week ahead. Why don't we pray and let the Holy Spirit do what He needs to do in our lives. So God, I pray, Lord, for anyone here and for all of us here, God, as we hear Your Word, as we hear Your message, We pray, God, that we will be able to put legs to this series and actually go out what you're calling us to do. I pray, Lord, for maybe there's a person here where they don't know Jesus. I pray, God, that you would just be on their case this whole message, letting them know that you are the answer to all of their questions, God. I thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen. Wonderful. Well, uh, many of us, Uh, including myself here, can see this big word of evangelism, which is just a fancy word in the Bible for saying reaching our friends for Jesus. That's really what it is. And it actually derives from the word elangelion, which means the good news. And uh, big word, I know. Uh, But it means to preach or to teach or to uh, talk about the things that Jesus has done uh, in our lives. That's what evangelism is all about. But I believe... Uh, that some of us can have a skewed kind of view on what evangelism is. Uh, some of us here, and, and there's not that it's not this, but you know, we can see evangelism as going out to the streets on a Saturday, uh, maybe getting our you know amplifier and a microphone, and then having a soapbox to stand on, and be like, "Repent! The Lord has come! Uh, give your heart to Jesus." and all these people, you know, just walking by. And hey, it's not that that's not evangelism. Um, I just don't know if it's the most effective evangelism. Hey, if you're doing that, great, hey, keep going, Um, as as long as the Holy Spirit's on your case for doing that. Um, But the other way we can view evangelism is inviting to church. Hey, maybe that's the way in which you're even here. You were invited by a friend of church, uh, you heard the message of the gospel, you had your life impacted, that's amazing. Or maybe you're here this morning because someone invited you to church. Hey, that is amazing. We are just so stoked and so glad you are here and all those watching online as well. But what we need to understand is that as the world changes, so too does the method of how we evangelize to this world change. And you and I, we need to stay relevant to what is actually needed in this day and age to actually reach our secular culture. Because like I said, there's a reason why we're not meeting in a grand stadium right now and this building because people are currently not convinced that Christianity is the greatest way to lead their life. So how can we do this? And I wanna look at two uh, passages this morning of the way that Jesus reached people. Let's just go back old school and look how Jesus reached people. In uh, Mark chapter two, verse 15 to 16, it says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. That's a key detail. For they were uh, for there were many who followed him. Uh, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And if we're to focus on anything this morning, we look that Jesus becomes our new example on how to do evangelism and reaching the people in our world effectively. Guess how Jesus evangelized? He did community with people. He did life with people. When Jesus reached the sinner, the unrighteous, the non-believer, he would actually sit at their house or invite them into his own life. And here's a key detail, Jesus had friends with non-believers. Not only did he have them, Jesus made friends with non-believers. And honestly, as a little side note for a second, and this challenges me to the core, do I have people in my life that aren't in my safe little Christian bubble that I actually am friends with? Because Jesus had people come to him that were actually considered his friends. Here's another example, Luke, chapter 19, verse seven to eight. Uh, we know this story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a short man like myself, I'm only five nine. And uh, he can't see Jesus because there's a massive crowd around. And basically he has to climb a tree uh, to see what, what's going on because he's that short. And anyway, he was a tax collector. No one liked tax collectors back in the Old Testament time because they would rip people off. Uh, They weren't doing the right thing. They were kind of stingy, a little bit like thieves, and no one liked them. And anyway, when he climbs this tree, Jesus sees him in the tree and he says, Cates, I'm coming to your house. Uh, Get your whole house ready. Have you ever had an unexpected guest before? And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm just gonna have to prepare like all this meal and you know, oh, I don't even know if the house is ready yet. And he's like, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over. And he's like, all right, I've got to get my stuff in the line. And anyway, they go over to his house, they do dinner together, they do a meal with Zacchaeus' whole household. And this is the verse that said in seven and eight, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to the guest of a sinner or he had dinner with a sinner. But Zacchaeus... Stood up and said, sorry, I'm just rapping now, sorry. I'm trying to get my rapping career off the, uh, you can buy my mixtape up in the foyer. Um, But Zacchaeus uh, stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Or in other words, a person who is doing wicked things, being greedy, being a thief, essentially, He has an encounter with Jesus, he has dinner with Jesus and all of his household and by the end of the conversation, he was actually convinced that Jesus was the way, was the truth and was the life and he said, you know what, this wicked way, this unrighteous way, I'm gonna pay it back and I am going to live like you, Jesus. And this is my main point this morning, church, that I wanna base my message on and what Jesus based his message on. We need our focus to move from an event evangelism to a community evangelism. We need, we need as the church, you and I, this isn't just for the preacher or the pastor or the life group leader. This is every single person who considers Christ their Lord and Saviour. We need to move and then get the focus on not an event evangelism, but a community evangelism. What do I mean by community evangelism and why even choose this way? Uh, Sam Chan said this, an incredible evangelist, and he teaches on this. He said this, our community will shape our beliefs greater than facts, evidence, and data. Our community, or our sphere, or our friends, or the people around us, uh, the people in our lives, our community will actually shape our beliefs greater than facts, evidence, and data. I'll put it this way. Um, My sister Uh, got home from America, which is amazing kind of miracle in itself, she had like three uh, planes um, kind of uh, cancelled because uh, she was trying to get back for Johanna and my wedding. Thankfully, due to God, and we were really praying, she made it, including the two week uh, period there uh, of quarantine, she made it 11 days out before our wedding to actually be there, even in about an eight month period of trying to get back to Australia, and anyway, she got back. We were so stoked. It was the first time that we were seeing her and we were in Coolum. And anyway, uh, we were like, oi, it's like lunchtime. Let's get a feed. Uh, let's do, like, let's just do live together. Let's talk about all the things uh, that have happened in America and, you know, what God has done. And anyway, uh, we go to this certain cafe that shall remain nameless. Um, and anyway, we go to the cafe and uh, we, we order. Uh, there's probably only one there anyway. So, like, you know, Coolum. anyway. So, anyway, we go to this certain... Uh, uh, certain cafe, and uh, we're all ordering. And I think I'd ordered my meal already. And then uh, Maddie and Joe, Maddie, my sister, and Johanna, my wife, they, they were still ordering and whatnot. And uh, the, the business owner that was kind of serving us had already ordered mine, and I'm going over to the water uh, to grab a you know, bottle of water for the table, three cups and whatnot. And anyway, uh, he kind of stops Maddie at her order and kind of comes over to me where the drinks is and he could kind of do that from where he was standing. And basically said, hey, hey, oh, I just wanna let you know and you guys just gotta be really careful. Um, uh, It's really random, I know, we're really sorry about this, Um, but there's actually a spider um, that's actually kind of crawling uh, around like the drink area and you just need to be really careful. And I'm like, I'm just so confused. I'm looking over at Maddie and Joe and like they're just confused like, what the heck is this guy on? Like, get your cafe in order, bro. Uh, like, honestly, what I was thinking in my head was like, bro, I'm going to call work health, work, uh, like uh, workplace health and safety. I'm going to shut you down in a second, son. You know, that's what I was thinking in my head. I didn't say that to him, but I'm really confused. And he's like, just be really careful because, yeah, he kind of comes out and just be careful. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Anyway, we're all confused. They keep ordering or whatever. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not scared of spiders, but... <laughs> Like, you know, I'm just kind of, it was a little bit intense to me and I was a little bit unknown. And I'm kind of like lifting up the glass or whatever and kind of checking this and pouring the water. And I'm like, what is, like, this is, who says that? Like, get the spider, it could be that hard. Anyway, I'm getting the water and out of my peripherals sorry, peripherals. um, (laughs) Out of my peripheral vision, I hear this absolutely sound from the demonic realm like, you know, like it was just disgusting. And out of my peripherals, I see this hairy, disgusting, massive huntsman come out. And I like freak out. I was like so shocked. But the fact that it made a sound was a little bit, how are you going? And I realized that it was, it, it was a huntsman. It was a Kmart toy, that this business owner started losing it, laughing, just absolutely cacking it over here because I had freaked out, I had jumped and most of my pride left with me. I was so shocked because I was genuinely scared and you know, Maddie's laughing, Joe's laughing, that this Toy Kmart Huntsman had scared me so much and I was like, all right, I'm definitely shutting down your business now, you're dead. See you later it doesn 't ex- actually exist anymore, no it does um, but I was so cut that day and, and uh, like this moment that I had with this business owner with some of my family there it's funny how that little community in its, in and of itself and what i 'm trying to betray is that when everyone was believing it, it actually started at the beginning it sounded odd and it didn't sound like it was right, but I actually ended up believing it and It goes to show that where there is community and community belief, we actually begin to believe what the people around us believe. We actually start to believe, oh, well, maybe this actually could be true. It sounded far-fetched to me to begin with, but then I got scared and it actually affected my life. And here's what I'm trying to say with this, is that people in your life, your co-workers, your friends, the people you do life with, they might not be able to come to terms with that we believe in a guy from 2,000 years ago. He claimed to be God. He died. He rose again. He's now ascended to, the, uh, ascended to heaven by the Father. We can now have His Spirit in our lives and one day we're gonna be in heaven with Him. They might think, okay, the, the, the facts, the, my believability system, I don't think that's kind of true or right. I don't, I don't know if I can kind of get over there at the moment. But you know what might help? in evangelism and getting them even just one step closer to Jesus is a community of loving people who actually bef- befriend them. Because as they enter into community, this helps them become more comfortable and familiar with these ideas. Because what, and I'm sure you've been here before, have you ever had an awkward interaction telling your friend about Jesus? Or telling your friend that you go to church, or maybe it's a co-worker, and you're like, hey, uh, I just, uh, I'm a Christian, I wanted to, you know, did you wanna like come to church one time or did you wanna come hang out with a bunch of other people that believe in this guy or whatever? And then they're like, oh, thinking, you know, you see their face and they're thinking of every excuse of what they've got on Sunday. And they're just like, oh, like, I've just got my daughter's netball program. She's three at the moment, but um, she's she's gonna win, you know, (laughs) she's gonna do well. And they're thinking of every other reason Why not to be there? And then what have we done in that moment? We've actually burnt our bridge where we're now that guy at work or that girl at work. It's like, oh, please don't come back to the lunch table and annoy me with your church stuff. And we've actually burnt the opportunity that God had and God wants that that child would know Him. But when we have a community evangelism, it starts a little bit differently. And this is what I wanna talk about this morning. Imagine if we could move Where evangelism moved from an awkward invitation to actually being an enjoyable experience. Because here's the deal non believers actually love to be around Jesus. I would actually say that Jesus, like they would actually follow Jesus up and they're like, hey, where are you going? Can I come hang out with you? Because Jesus was likable, he was relatable, but guess what? He was relational. He was relational. So I've got two things really quickly this morning on how we can be effectively evangelistic. And I've talked about it, about being a community. But firstly, the Bible teaches us, number one, we need to be hospitable. We need to be hospitable. And my question with this is, what if having a dinner party, a coffee catch-up, or a meal together became the primary way we started evangelizing to our people? What if... What if an outside event was actually the beginning point and we made it an intentional idea that we are gonna reach people through relationship first? Relationship and community. Because guess what, church? In our secular culture, our co-workers, our family, our friends, they might not step into a church building right away, but they might step into your backyard for a barbecue one time. Jesus did life with people. Jesus had a community approach. Why do we need to be hospitable? Why do we need to be those people inviting in? I'll give you a few examples. Hospitality is mentioned in almost every New Testament book and so much of the Old Testament. I'll, I'll run a few for you just so you're convinced. Titus 1, eight. Says rather, he must be hospitable, talking about elders and people that, uh, you know, are in the church. One who loves what is good, who is self controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. 1 Peter 4: Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Acts 16. The jailer that we talk about, Paul and Silas are in prison. The doors swing wide and the jailer is actually about to essentially commit suicide because he's like, I don't want to deal with the punishment of letting these prisoners go. They say, do you want to accept Jesus? The jailer says yes. And then it goes on to say in Acts 16, The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Romans 12, 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. The key way in which the New Testament says evangelism is done is actually hospitality. Actually inviting people into our homes. John 13:35 says, "By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another." I want to ask you church, what if empowered church were known as the most hospitable homes? in our streets? What if every single one of our homes that is represented here this morning were known as the place where light is in my street? Pastor Paul spoke about a, a few weeks ago online that about the power of light and how we're called to be light. Jesus calls us light in Matthew and the Synoptic Gospels. But he calls us to be light and Starbucks actually used to have this vision and I don't know if it's still true, I don't know how they're going with this, but they wanted to have a Starbucks on every single street corner. That was actually their mission and their vision. I think McDonald's are the actually ones achieving that. Uh, you know, they're probably living it out more than Starbucks, so sorry, Starbucks, because Australians, we like real coffee, no offence, uh, if you like Starbucks, but, but, uh, none of this American stuff, sorry, any American viewers, but, but they want a, a, a a Starbucks on every street. And I want to ponder with you for a second. What if every single one of you and I had that vision for our home when it came to evangelism? When it became our homes were actually the place on a Tuesday night where that friend was going through something. It's like, I don't know where to turn to. Oh yeah, but so-and-so lives down the road. I might just check in and grab a coffee with them. And it's not just inviting for a Sunday and that's important and that's incredible. But it's those times when Thursday night has just been such a crazy time for one of the friends in our streets and they say the kids are doing this, that and the other and I just need a friend to talk to I'm not gonna go to their place. I'm gonna go to that Christian that's on my street. What if Empower Homes were the places where people said, that's the place where I can have a chat with my neighbour how I'm going? We have an opportunity, not just on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night to invite, we have a Monday morning opportunity. We have a Thursday night opportunity. We have a Saturday daytime opportunity that God is calling for you and I to be a part of. So God is calling us to be and to live with great hospitality for our streets, for our friends, for our co-workers. Because the reality is, is that God is calling us to be influential in our city. You and I should, be the most influential in our streets, in our apartment blocks, wherever we are. God is calling us to that. My second point really quickly is we need to use every moment. We've gotta be hospitable, but also we've gotta use every moment. And what I've learned from um, doing this for a little bit, well, once again, in this line, it makes it very obvious, this one truly takes a lot of practice and it's about being intentional. Uh, 1 Peter 3 says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, that's what we believe. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I find that when some people, I'm not talking about all people, but some people, they wanna get their point across about Jesus, but they forget this last little bit that says, but do it with gentleness and respect. We've gotta have a defence for our Gospel. Why do you believe the things that you do about God? Why do you have the hope of Jesus? And do you know in this moment right now, if a non-believer was to come up to you, do you know and have a defence for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus? And would you do it with gentleness and respect? I wanna put statistically speaking, so, or I wanna just put out an average here. I believe that this week alone, you will probably have, this week to come, you will probably have at the very least five moments with people who do not know God and you're gonna have a window. You're gonna have an opportunity to actually speak about Jesus or invite or bring relationship into those moments. And notice that the scriptures we read about Jesus earlier is that Jesus was often invited to other people's houses. It wasn't just Jesus inviting people in, but it was actually going to where they are. You and I are called to go against the flow of individualistic, safe church bubble culture and we're called to go into the world and reach the world. This is why I love Red Frogs so much, because guess what, if you wanted a foundation for Red Frogs, you know what it is? It's Christians crushing parties. It's literally what Red Frogs is. Who would have thought that you want a Christian slash multiple Christians at your drinking party on a Saturday night. Usually it's the other way around. Ah, you know, stay at the door Christian. But what Red Frogs is, and I'm not saying, all right, well everyone, you know, become a Red Frog. I'm not saying that, but it's a moment for us to understand that if we wanna reach the world, we've gotta be relational with the world because this is what we don't wanna be. And I know you've been there before. Stockland Caloundra, Kiwana Shopping World, it's a business in the middle that wants your details they want you to sign up they've got a new program you're gonna lose a thousand kilos of weight in one day I don't know. they have some vision that you know this gonna happen and there's some great things that happen there as well but you know there's two guys maybe a guy and a girl or whatever they've got their pamphlet ready for you they're, they're already eyeing you as soon as you come into the shopping center This is what we do, just like, you know. Come on, hey, let's let's just let church be real for a second. We don't want the pamphlet, bro. I just want my milk and bread and eggs from Coles, okay? That's what I came here to do. I'll get in trouble if I don't get those things and I gotta remember and I forget a lot, okay? But we have those moments with people in the middle and you know, and I've actually, I'll give you a free tip, this is free. Um, if you wanna avoid them at all costs, get a stern look on your face, kind of like a, and just walk with pace. I have never had one person. I've even had a person, and I, t- I tell this to everyone because it's a great life hack, right? They will literally go to consider and then literally go like turn to talk away because this is what I do, this is literally what I do. I'm kind of all fine when I enter the shopping centre just, you know, you do that, they will never bother you ever again. All right, that's biblical. Sorry, we're getting off topic. Anyway, you and I know, all right, back to it. You and I know, and maybe you have here, you know, you've got the pamphlet signed up, whatever it is. But you and I know that when those things offer, we don't, we don't really want to bar of it because there's no relationship involved in church. We don't want to be those people like, hey, come to church on a Sunday hey, be a part of my event. And I'm saying, do all those things, they're all great things. But then when they say, hey, we've actually got a, uh, you know, a co-workers kind of like, you know, get together. And we're like, oh no, 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 I'm just gonna stick to my church stuff. God is calling you and I to the world. And every single moment you're gonna get this week where they're like, hey, we've actually got this lunch on. Don't be the Christian that's like, oh no, I'm just gonna stay safe in my little bubble. Be relational. Maybe that's used as an opportunity to reach them where they actually trust you at the end of the day. And instead of us being like, come to church, come to church, be a part of this. No, 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 we're actually gonna change our approach from an event evangelism to a community evangelism, to reach the people in our world. Come on, give God some praise that someone is coming to Jesus this week because we decided to change our evangelism. I love one of the young adults in our church, but uh, he, uh, He for about a year came to empower church, and uh, he actually didn't believe in God. Didn't believe in God. He actually said, and I was speaking to him this morning. He said, "I actually started to come to a life group that some uh, one of my friends invited me to. It wasn't just a life group, but this guy actually used to hang out with me, and you know we'd uh, you know do this together, or we'd get lunch, or you know we we'd go to the beach together. And to be honest, every single time we used to hang out, and I'd come to the life group, he hadn't come to a service yet." Just like, I just, we just started to talk about life and what is this deal all about? And you know, it started to end up to faith and he actually came to a service one time and it actually took about a year of life group, of relationship, where this young man sat and he's in our YA community now. He serves on one of our amazing teams. He, he's serving today actually, and he, he was in a service just like this. and From the evidence he'd seen of Christians and relationship, He said, you know what? Before I couldn't believe, but now I do believe. And it started not with a short-sighted, oh, I'm just gonna tell someone about my faith and then I burnt every bridge. No, 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 it started with relationship. It started with community evangelism. It started with a moment of, bro, hey, why don't we get dinner this week? We don't even have to talk about faith. Let's just talk about you and life. And that person now knows Jesus because someone said, I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna be, you know, invite to the next men's breakfast, even though do that, that's great. But I'm gonna do relationship in life with people. Come on, this community deserves Christians that would go the distance for them. Our community deserves Christians that would say, hey, I'm gonna get out of my bubble and get a bit uncomfortable. To invite that friend to coffee, I've never done it before, but now is the moment. We're gonna use every single moment.